You're listening to SM Media, the number one place for exclusive content. Hi everyone, and welcome to this special edition of the Scottish Football Show right here on SM Media. I'm Scott McPay, I'd like to be your host. Wilson and Shankers are joining me. Wilson, you've not got long before you're meeting with your, your superior, Mr Lowell, you're telling me. So, yes, I, he's, he's called me. We need to, some heads need crack today, so <laughs> we'll make some tough decisions today, hopefully. Shankers, are good? the season around. Aye, good to be here again, as always. Brilliant. We're joined by a very special guest. We're joined by Hamish Carton from 67 Hail Hail. Thanks very much for joining us, Hamish. A pleasure to welcome you on. No worries, Scott. Thanks for having us on, guys. No worries. We'll start off with the, the news that was coming through yesterday. Obviously, Christopher Julian has tested positive for COVID-19. 13 players and three staff were told to self-isolate, and that included the manager, Neil Lennon, assistant manager, John Kennedy. Hamish, hey, where, where do you start with us? Where, where do you, you start with us? yesterday, and you covered it well, but just tell us what's happening. It's just so self-inflicted. And the, the club's statement yesterday is probably a good place to start because I just thought that was a, an absolute disgrace. If you're talking about you know, an organisation that's taking absolutely no responsibility for anything, which Celtic have done all season, um, then you know, Celtic are the club that you're looking at. Um, I just thought the statement yesterday, um, you know, no, I think contrition was the word that was used on, on television last night, no awareness of how, what the support are feeling. Try to group the support in with the club, saying that we're all hurting, when in reality, it's the club that have caused this hurt towards the support. Um, going to Dubai was was an absolute joke. Uh, I covered it last week, even prior to the, the positive COVID case and the 13 players missing. So this isn't me saying, you know, after the event that it was a joke. At the time, it was a joke. And everyone else thought that as well. There was no need to go to Dubai. I don't think any other major team in Europe has had a winter break this year. But for some reason, Celtic felt they were due, they were entitled to a trip to Dubai. It's backfired massively. We dropped points last night as a result of that. I think we would have beaten Hibs if we'd had those 13 players available. Maybe that's presumptuous, but I do think we would have won the game. And now the league's totally over. And as I say, it's it's totally self-inflicted, which is probably the, the biggest frustration from the club. You know, we had the positive COVID cases before the first derby of the season. And that was frustrating, but that wasn't the club's fault. We just had to take that one. Whereas this right now is just totally self-inflicted. Definitely. Like, Wilson, as well, I'm going to bring you in this as well. Like, what do you kind of make of, make of the whole thing? Obviously, when we were recording the show on Sunday, we'd heard Christopher Julian was a positive case. We assumed that it was going to be Christopher Julian would be self-isolating, but surely the whole team would have to obviously do something as well. So what's your thoughts, obviously, for, for Sunday? What are you, what are you kind of thinking about the whole thing? Again, I've got, kind of got kind of mixed feelings, to be honest. And again, I'm looking at the perspective. In hindsight, they'll say, yes, the trip was wrong, etc. I can understand, you know, why it was booked. You know, and I'm sure Celtic are following the correct guidelines as, as all these other clubs and whatnot. What what does kind of concern me as such or puzzles me slightly is if Celtic had won the old firm game, would there be such this big outcry of they went to Dubai and they shouldn't have went to Dubai? I I actually think it's a bit of a sideshow. You know, now obviously I hope uh, Chris Jones and none of the players, you know, are severely affected by the virus and whatnot, but 
If Celtic had won the old firm game, would there be this absolute circus of what's going on just now? And and, that, and that's what I don't get. And, I, and as I said, and I commented to you guys yesterday, I know a lot of folk in social media are on you know, Celtic's case. Um, but again, if it was their club, would, would they be quite as passionate to say they shouldn't have went, etc.? Now, again, it's probably not an essential work travel, but this was put in place. The SFA allowed it. The Scottish government allowed it. Okay, so in effect, you could argue, not that I'm going to, but you could argue, but why, why shouldn't they have went? And as I say, I think this is a, a big deflection tactic and the pressure to take away the performances on and off the field, I suppose, and what was a, a ridiculous performance last night, in my opinion, um, again. And I just wonder if the whole kind of COVID thing has taken over the discrepancies within the board, the management seats and the, and the dressing room. So Shankers. I'm not 100% against this trip to Dubai. I just think it's been used as a deflection from performances from the board and the players. Shankers, where do we see where do we see it going for here? Obviously, we'll bring Hamish in in this as well. Like, where where do you go for here if you're Celtic? Yeah, I think you just you're, you've obviously got the game in Saturday, and you could you're still going to have the players uh, who are isolating uh, missing for that game. I don't think Celtic were too bad. I thought. Uh, if anything, it should have gave Hibs a, a lift last night, and they probably feel that they should should have taken some for a, for a severely weakened Celtic team. But I actually, I agree with Hamish. I, I think Celtic would have, after the performance at Ibrox, they, they having all the players back, they, they would have seen Hibs off comfortably. So when Hamish is saying it's totally self-inflicted, I couldn't I couldn't agree more. What a point I seen was uh, if they stayed and and just trained in Scotland and and Julian uh, picked up the COVID case, he would have been the only player that would have to isolate. Therefore, the other 13 players and coaching staff uh, wouldn't have had to isolate and they would have been available. So, if, if they uh, talking about Dubai, should they have went, shouldn't they have went, it, it doesn't really matter now because at the end of the day, it, it's almost, almost cost them the match last night. Well, definitely cost them the match last, last night. Saturday's going to be a difficult game for them. I, I really, I really don't know where they go. And Celtic fans are, are calling for changes for for the top to start with. I don't think it's Neil Lennon or the players' fault. They they've not went to the board and said we want to go to Dubai. Peter Lowell or the the hierarchy of the club have decided that that trip's going ahead. So I don't think uh, apart from the social distancing and and other restrictions and what no over there, I don't think anything can. The blame can be handed at the players and, and staff. I think it comes for comes for the men above. See, I, I I slightly I slightly disagree with that to be honest because now and and I've said this on the chat or, or WhatsApp chat. Why why would Peter Law, if there wasn't financial investment coming from Dubai or the Far East or something, why would he make that decision? Say right, let's get the players away. That's nothing to do. The players have nothing to do with him. Neil Lennon must have made the decision, I want a warm weather training camp in the winter. That must come from the manager. Boardroom guys in suits don't decide, let's take the players to Dubai for a jolly. That's that's up to Neil Lennon. And again, I understand the players have to follow suit and do and do as they're told. But Tom Rogic didn't go. So did he decide, 
Well, for me, but no, that's a wee bit much. I think I'm, 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 I disagree with that trip. So he stayed at home but played last night. So I think, I think Neil Lennon has. I mean, I may be wrong, but I think Neil Lennon has made that decision to go to the camp, and it's too late to call it off to get away, either from the heat of an old firm defeat, or if they'd won, you know, to go away and relax and and, and enjoy the moment. I don't, I don't think the decisions get any unless there's a financial thing going on that we don't know about. But that that decision is from Neil Lennon, the manager. I think they've been for the last five years or something like that. So is it not just like a an annual thing for the club rather than... It's not as if they've not been the last few years and then they've just went, all right, I think this will be a good idea to to break things up a lot. I think it's it's been a... I think it's a club decision that that's just part and parcel because there is normally a winter break at this time of the year. Absolutely, but, but again, where have they been the last five years? Apart from maybe last year, I suppose. Aye. Last aye. year was only too far away. You know, I mean... If if Kelly, if Kelly were top of the league by twenty points at Christmas, I would take them to Dubai. You know, <laughs> as I say, but if, if if Kelly are two points for the relegation zone, think they can get away with a jolly in Dubai for a week? Absolutely not. Hamish, hey, what you can what's your kind of response to that? The boy, what the boys have just said there, like, are you on agreeing with that, or do you think there's more to it? I don't think there was there was any need for Celtic to go to Dubai this year. We, we have been there, I think, every year since Brendan Rodgers came in. So what's that? I think that'd be five yeah, five years, be years this year. Um, but there was no pandemic last year or, or the previous four years. There was there was a winter break the last four years. There was no winter break this year. That's I think folk aren't talking about. There is no winter break in Scotland this year. We actually moved the game against Hibs yeah, back a couple thinking. of days so we could go. We could have played one of our many games in hand last week and you know put some sort of pressure on Rangers ahead of the game at Pitodri. Another major missed opportunity from the club. With regards to, you know, who sanctioned the the trip, I, I think it'd be about everyone. And that's not just me, you know, getting a cop out there. I think it would be a bit of everyone. But there seems to be a, a feeling, a narrative around Celtic that Dubai saves our season. So if you look at the last, I think, four years, we've had negative Derby results prior to going to Dubai. We had the last three years of Auburn Rangers wins. And even the year before that was a nil-nil draw at Parkhead when Rangers yeah. were big underdogs. So... The last four years, we've gone into the winter break in really bad spirits. And I think every year, Dubai's kind of saved us, or that's been the narrative. But if you look at last season, prior to the Derby defeat, the 2-1 at Parkhead at Christmas, we actually won 11 league games in a row prior to that. So that, that wasn't a Celtic team that was, you know, all over the place and, you know, needed saved in Dubai. I think it was just a case of Dubai almost gets a reputation for saving Celtic that it doesn't deserve. And, I mean... I know we're missing players against Hibs last night, but can you? Did any of you guys see the the Dubai effect in in operation last night in the one all draw against Hibs? Did the players look fitter after a, an intensive training camp, as Neil Lennon called it? Not for me. Well, that's what I want to touch on as well. Obviously, I want to bring in bring on the the Shane Duffy thing as well. This is obviously this was obviously revealed last night. Shane Duffy. We were told John Kennedy came out during the week and said there's been breaches in the the social bubbles and things like that. Shane Duffy can't play because he's breached the social bubble and he plays last night. What, what I don't get how how's this not been discussed more because when you it was Sky Sports News reported yesterday Shane Duffy can't play and he's in the team. So surely that's a breach of some kind. Like what, what was your kind of thoughts on that, Hamish? 
It is a difficult one because we don't know the ins and outs. We don't know why Shane Duffy left the, the training camp in Dubai. There was rumours you'd have probably seen them of him going on a two-hour bender or something like that. Um, there was also chat that he'd left for family reasons, which is, of course, totally different. But I think that folk aren't really talking about Connor Hazard, uh, not Connor Hazard, Ross Doohan was, was on the bench for for Celtic last night and he'd been in Ross County's bubble so he technically yeah. hadn't been part of Celtic's bubble at all and came right in. Uh, Scott Robertson's been recalled to the club and I would expect him to be in the squad for Saturday. He's been I think at Gillingham this season so he's not been in the bubble and he'll be fine so you've got to include you know Doohan and Robertson in that if you're also discussing Duffy. Um, but another thing I had pointed out by a guy who used to work at um, a, a League One club in Scotland saying that this whole bubble thing is a complete myth in Scottish football because the players leave their bubble every night to go home to their family. So yeah. those are all things worth considering. Yeah. I mean, the Steve, game can I just night... ask you something quickly, Hamish? What is your thoughts as a Celtic fan on the fact that, I know Julian could have picked it up in Scotland before he went, however, does he need to even go the trip to the fact that he's, <laughs> he's injured anyway? And see, if, see if, other than a global pandemic, well, last year I can see the point in taking an injured player away for rehab or whatever, but just because of the times that there is and and everything that's going on, they're only getting, it's not as if they're going away for two weeks or three weeks training camp, they're going away for five days or whatever. Does he really need to go? I don't think he's at a stage of his injury where he no. will be doing rehab anyway because he's in crutches. Does he need to go that trip? And it was an intensive training camp, you've got to remember <laughs> as well, according to yeah. Neil Lennon. So why would a player who's going to miss the rest of the season, I think maybe back in April, May at the moment, um, why would why would he go off to Dubai? Why would you, you know, as you say, in normal times, why, why would you even take him away? But mm-hmm. during a global pandemic, and it's just typical that, that he's the one that's that's tested positive. Right. Um, just, just totally, totally ludicrous. And Ian Maxwell, I think you were kind of quoting a wee bit earlier on, he, he was quoted yesterday saying that, if Julian uh, had, you know, got COVID in Scotland, um, it would just have been him who would have had to, you know, obviously be missing anyway, but the 13 players wouldn't have missed out as a result. That's the SFA chief, chief executive saying that. So right away there, he's saying that Celtic going to Dubai, you know, cost us the 13 players been out and cost us two points last night. So that's it in black and white right there. Yeah. Wilson, I'm keen to bring you in and Ian Maxwell here because I... I want to kind of get your thoughts on his his statement because I thought it was puzzling to say the least what he came out and said. Aye, it's, it's laughable, um, but again, it's 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 a it's a bit of a culture thing, you know. Just um, the blame's going to be laid at our door, so we'll just rebuff it, you know, into someone else. Now, I don't think there's anyone out there, maybe apart from uh, Jason Leach, that understands the science behind this whole. Um, COVID-19 coronavirus and how it's tracing track. Now, again, for all we know, Chris Julian could have caught it on the plane from a punter. They didn't you know, have their own plane you know, to, to, to go there. So he could have caught it there. And as I say, everyone, everyone then looks, the SFA okayed the trip, and the government okayed the trip. And it's just a deflection tactic when the trip goes wrong. You know, if they went to Dubai, everyone come back fit and healthy. They turned Hibs over last night. Again, no one, no one mentions Dubai. No one mentions us. It's just deflection tactics. And as I say, the, the, the SFA and the, the, the government then come out and answer their questions and just deflect it back. So no, no, as Hamish said, no one really knows um, who's okay in it and, and who's doing what uh, with, with regards to it. But Ian Maxwell, and I know he has to come out and say something, but 
guys, I think they came out and made themselves unnecessary look worse than they already do. Yeah. Hibs, I want to touch on as well. Hibs did raise concerns at the start, before the start of the game to say about, obviously, they wanted Celtic players retested and things like that. See if you're a Hibs player. And let's just say, for example, you're a Hibs, Shankers, if you're a Hibs player and your, your partner works for the NHS or something like that, are you right to be concerned about the fact of what's happened there? Because that's, that's the first thing I thought of. I think I think they are right to be concerned. Obviously, I don't know how long before before the game the negative tests come back for the players or whatever. Hibs asked for a final on-the-day test or something like that, I think, uh, and Celtic refused. I don't, see, if I don't think they were asking anything out of the ordinary. I think they were just maybe a, a peace of mind just before they go into it. The, the fact that I think Hibs... And this is not just because the support Rangers or whatever against Celtic, but I think the fact that Hibs uh, were made out as if if you don't play, you will be punished kind of thing. I, I don't think that was right. They're just looking after the safety of their players and their staff and whatever. Uh, but I, I don't think they were right. To, it was basically put as if you don't play, you'll be punished or docked points or whatever. I don't think that's right. Obviously, it happened to Kilmarnock and in uh, St Mirren earlier on the season. I, I don't think that's right. They they've got the right to be to be worried about the safety of their players after after neg- after a positive test. If if we if Hibs go and test their players today or tomorrow and results come back and there's positive tests and if Celtic do the same, it, it's just it's just egg in the face, isn't it really? Yeah, definitely. Hey Mish, what were your thoughts of the game? It was almost a one each draw, it was a bit of brilliance for David Tumble to get the, the lead for Celtic, but uh, a late mistake. So Kevin Nesbitt equalised. What were your kind of thoughts in the game watching it? I thought it was about as much as we could expect, to be honest. When you know you look at the, the team that finished the game last night, our keeper was Connor Hazard, who I think was in loan at Dundee last season. Um, Stephen Welsh was our, our centre back who was in loan at Morton last season and I don't think was a standout for them. You had Karamoko Dembele, who's played I think two or three times for the club. He had Armstrong Okoflex coming off the bench to make his debut. You had Cameron Harper starting, um, making his first start for the club or his debut. You had um, Ewan Henderson, who couldn't get a game with Ross County on loan last season, coming on to, to save the game. So that's what you're dealing with. I know there was, you know, what you would call a few senior players, the likes of uh, Callum McGregor, Tom Rogic, Shane Duffy, players like that. But um, I, I really, really wasn't surprised to see the game finishing a draw, I felt that's what it was going to be. I felt it was a, a fair result as well in the balance of play. I think both teams, you know, created chances throughout the game. Um, just disappointing to lose the goal so late on. I, I knew it was coming the minute Laxalt gave away that free kick. You just knew it was it was going to end like that because we've seen it so often this season. Um, but the damage wasn't done last night. The damage was done in that horror six-week period from mid-October to the start of December when, you know, we lost the six out of 11 games or whatever it was. That's when the real damage was done this season. Um, Last night was just the, you know, the final nail in the coffin for our title hopes. Yeah, definitely. Wilson, just before you're called away, there's a couple of questions come in from a couple of of fans of yours. Graham Dempsey, how many... We asked you this at the start of the season, but we're going to ask you again. How many Celtic players would now get in the Rangers eleven? Uh, oh, I mean, is Graham basing it basing it on this this one season, or is he basing it on the you know full full fitness and ability? Let's go. Let's go. Both both team uh, 
playing to their full potential? Full potential? Um, well, out of, out of all the strikers that both teams have, Edward's the best. 100%. There's, there's absolutely no doubts about that. Um, Alan McGregor's the best goalie by light years. Of all the <laughs> right back. Who's in it right back? <laughs> well, I, I don't know if Shankers can play right back because <laughs> the Verdes had, you know, one good season in five. Um, and uh, Frimpong's now moved himself to the second worst player in the SPL. So I think Tavernier would squeeze himself in at right back. Who's, who's now worst? Mikey Johnston. <laughs> I, again, now, and I've said this before, but I find there's loads of players. I kind of touched on Greg Kelty with it the other day. Now, Greg Kelty's 10 times the player Mikey Johnson is, but I think Mikey Johnson must be one of these players that he doesn't have a position. He's, 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 he has ability, I don't doubt that, but I don't think anyone, not even him, especially not Neil Lennon, knows what position he plays. I felt a couple of years ago he got hung out to dry by Brendan Rodgers a couple of times by starting an old, old fun games when he hadn't even been tuning with the first team. And those two performances, he was honking. And again, he's had his chance last night, honking again. And I actually felt a wee bit sorry for players like him last night because, see, if the full team's fit, Mikey Johnson's probably lucky if he, if he's can even coming on the pitch and then all of a sudden you've got to start seeing me, the young boys that come on. The Hibs have got a point and it looks terrible in Celtic. It, it looks as if it's their title hopes are ended. But the young boys were all chucked in at the deep end for a faulty that's no their own, if you know what I mean. But what happened last night, and Hamish might disagree, what happened last night is I think it shows you the massive problems that Celtic have because none of those guys are good enough. Now, I've been I've been very critical of Hibs on here that. That was pretty much Hibbs' first choice team. You could maybe argue Christian Doyle, Stevie Mallon, so they've got a decent squad, but I, I don't see the whole flattery with Hibbs and how good Hibbs are and how, you know, Hibbs, Hibbs, Hibbs. I think they're garbage. I think they're the same as Hamilton and Ross County and the rest. They're the Chuters, but absolutely Kelly. rubbish. No, Kelly much better. Kelly much better. <laughs> absolutely much better. So I, I just don't get it. And as I say, those boys coming in last night now, again, if... If that had been me, now, if I, if I was Edward and someone that says, right, see, see tomorrow night, Eddie, the, the back fours, Frimpong, Duffy, Welsh and Laxal, I'm, I'm a jerk, can't play. <laughs> <laughs> because that's, that, that, and I'm saying that standard is ridiculous for a team that's trying to get into the Champions League, trying to compete to win, you know, back-to-back, uh, you know, trophies, etc. And I, I just... As I say, I'm looking through that squad list. Now, Soros come on to a game. You know, I think Griffiths, Edward, Forrest. You know, but I'm looking at that bigger picture of 20, 30 players and I'm thinking... And, and what I've always done, obviously, when you, when you support a, a, a non-old uh, non firm team, you look, and I always, use, I always use Andy Hald as an example. Now, I thought Andy Hald at Rangers was rubbish. Absolutely rubbish, but I always felt if Andy Halliday went to Hearts or Kilmarnock or St Mirren or whoever, would be one of their best players. I just didn't think he could push himself to that next level. And I'm looking at that Celtic team, and I'm telling you, Stephen O'Donnell is better than Frimpong. Greg Taylor is better than Laxalt. Okay? See see with Greg Taylor? Sorry to interrupt. See with Greg Taylor? See the fact that 
like laps up, couldn't they push up to left wing and Taylor couldn't play at left back? Like, see if he can't, couldn't get a game when the team's that depleted. You can't, it's it's kind of telling me some. I think Laps out could play left wing, no bother. You know what I mean? And, and I Taylor could play left backer. I don't think Laxdale should play five at the Premier Leagues. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think he should be allowed to play football. He's that bad. You know, and, and last night you kind of touched on uh, Shane Duffy. Now, I still think there's a player in there somewhere. And I'm thinking last night, you know, he had a couple of acres, he won hairs. I'm going, maybe it was his, his identical twin brother that's come up and played at centre half. And then you saw the goal last night, you thought, no, that's, that's the real Shane Duffy. He's, he's back there. Um, but... So, sorry, going back to Graham's point, because I know you'll pull me up on Twitter about this. So, um, because because of Frimpong, I'm going Tav uh, right back. Julian and I are the two best ability-wise um, on the centre-halves. Golson's very unlucky, because I think he's had a good season, but he's been hopeless for the last two. Barisic uh, has no competition at left-back, and he's very good. Um, James, I, f- I fully think James Forrest is the best wide player out of them all. Um, Callum McGregor would get in my Man United team, my Scotland team, <laughs> fantastic. So he he's a stalwart in there for centre mid. Again, I, I'm not a massive fan of his, but Steve Davis just oozes quality when he plays for me, you know. And in, in, in the fashionable five in midfield, he's the one that sits and moves the ball. And he's as I say, I think you saw him a couple of times on Sunday, you know, putting in last ditch tackles and that. So. And then the other one, again, we've kind of discussed this on the show. Um, I think based on his career and what he would offer in a, a shape, Scott Arfield, who gets beyond the striker. And if you're only playing one up front, you're needing your midfielder to do that. So I think he would squeeze in in front of Kamara, Ryan Jack, who are more a sitter. Um, yeah. I would play Rogic on the bench and he can get the last half hour because he's not fat enough to play um, all 90. Up front, Eddie, and I'm I'm, str- I'm struggling at wide left. I would have to seek advice in wide left, to be honest. Thank Ken. He's absolutely garbage. He is absolutely... <laughs> he, he's another one that's famed for punching Fort Rallin, his ability as a footballer. <laughs> See, just before you go, I've got another question for Stephen Nicol. How do you feel the laptop done in his first job in management? I mean, you, you look... You look at the results, and again, it's, it's a no-win situation, you know. He looked, he looked like he'd rather be anywhere else in the world last night. I, if, 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 if he'd won 5-0, you know, he would have come out and probably said exactly the same things. If he'd lost 5-0, he's a, he's a no, it's, it's a wee bit, you know, I, I remember uh, Hockey Lake with a couple of uh, big teams, you know, in the Scottish Cup when they qualified. So if if Hearts beat Hockey Lake, everyone's expecting Hearts to beat Hockey Lake. So it doesn't really change what, what you would do. Whereas if Hockey Lake goes, it's a big shock and all the pressure's on hearts, but they, they, they're expected to win. As I say, but again, I, I agree with what you say. It, it looks as if he, he would rather be anywhere else than in that dugout last night. And that's and that's a shame because, again, and I know he should be out there shouting instructions, I'm looking at someone like Steve McManus who's trying to force a, a career in management, obviously, you know, and just sits or well, stands in the dugout. Tommy McIntyre, who's... You know, an esteemed coach with SFA and Celtic for 30 yeah. years. Maybe he knows a wee bit more than Gavin Strachan. Can he not come out? And maybe they do that. As I say, you can't have maybe 10 coaches in the touchline shouting and ranting and raving. But as I say, it's, it's just one disaster for another. But again, aside from a disaster, Rangers have been the best team this season. They deserve to win the league. The biggest worry, I think, 
well, apart from Rangers fans, is I genuinely don't know where Celtic go from here. There is no way they're selling 60,000 season tickets next year. Ab- absolutely not. And as I say, I felt it was kind of the right was <coughs> in the wall even prior to the summer, where it was still, you know, it went from Brendan Rogers being a rat, then it was Kieran Tierney was a rat. And I'm thinking, what, what, what is the expectation here? But see if you're Brendan Rogers, see if do you see if you Hamish, see now with obviously with what's going on behind the scenes, do you look at Brendan Rogers now and understand why he left? Yeah, I've I've always said that at times a healer with legacies and that kind of thing. That's why I'm so um aware of you know brandishing Neil Lennon with a certain tag, because we never know how we'll look at it in a few years. But in terms of Rogers, put it this way. If you add Tierney into it as well, you, you can certainly see why Tierney left. Um, and the people who you know are having a go at Kieran Tierney for not being a Celtic fan and not staying for the 10 look a bit daft now because there's a guy who's worked his way into the Arsenal first team while if he'd have stayed at Celtic, he'd be in a, a team that's, that's struggling like mad. So um, in terms of Rodgers, I'm, st- I'm not still angry at him. I mean, I've let that go a long time ago, but I still think the circumstances he left... You know, 24 hours before a crucial game at Tynecastle, the fact that he took, I think, three important members of his coaching staff, I think, still left a lot to be desired. But yeah, if you look at if you look at the way the clubs imploded and the the clear, you know, the leadership at the top of the club with the likes of Lall and and Dermot Desmond, um, I suppose you can kind of see where he's coming from. I don't think Brendan Rodgers will care, to be honest. I mean, he's managing one of the better teams in England now, while. Celtic are, are struggling. He'll probably actually be, be quite glad about that with his ego, I think. Yeah, but you've, t- you've touched on that, Hamish, and again, it comes out to mismanagement. Now, Brendan Rodgers didn't phone in the morning of the Hearts game and say, right, I'm away, I'm going to Leicester. But th- these deals, as we all know, take three, four days minimum. So in those three, four days minimum, Peter Law should have went out and went, right, okay. Now, for all we know, he could have asked anybody, we don't know this. And he put Neil Lennon uh, in, which I think, again, when you're winning, it's fine. It doesn't matter who's in charge. If you're winning, you don't care. Um, but as, as I said, they had to have someone. Now, what he should have said to Lennon was, we'll give you to the nine in a row, whatever it was, the, whatever. But see, in August, you'll not be the Celtic manager. We're going for X, Y, and Z. And that's mismanagement from the top again. Yeah, no, I, t- I totally agree with that. I think, I think, Len- if you see if you ask Lennon himself, and he would never admit this publicly, if you asked him, do you wish you hadn't taken the job on now after that summer, you know, built a new team and all that kind of thing, I think privately Neil Lennon would wish that he'd stepped away after that, you know, treble, treble cup final against Hearts because his legacy was a way up here. Mm-hmm. He was loved by the Celtic support. He'd come in, he'd, he'd saved the team in an hour of need. If he'd have walked away at that point, Maybe he could have got another decent job down south. I think as it is now, he's tarnished his legacy a lot. And I mean, where's Neil Lennon's next job going to be? Is he, is he going to get another job at any sort of level in the rest of his career? Yeah, definitely. I would take him at Kilmarnock, to be honest, if Alex Dyer gets the sack. I think that's <laughs> where... I, I, I think, you know, and I always kind of think this way, Neil Lennon up here was a top player. I don't think we can get away from that. I always think top players might be better trying to get lesser ability players to that kind of, those kind of levels, you know? Whereas if you were to put Neil Lennon, was Neil Lennon, you know, better than Callum McGregor, Stuart Armstrong, Kieran Tierney, these guys, they're probably like, you know, 
know, you, you know, you're better than you. So, whereas Neil, I think, can motivate and instruct guys to get to the level that he played at. Whereas I think I thought he did okay at Hibs. I mean, he obviously had these issues later on, but as I say, I think I think that's where his career lies. You know, Hibs is Kilmarnock, St Mons. I, I don't I don't think many of them balls up at Bolton as well. But as I say, for being the Celtic manager. Um, and as I say, and again, we're always talking about this, and I mention it every week just to try and balance my views. What we forget is Rangers have been brilliant. Mm-hmm. This, this isn't Rangers are winning the league because Celtic are garbage. This is Rangers are winning the league because they've been brilliant this season. They've been brilliant in Europe. They had a wee four parts in London, but that comes with any team. But consistently from August, they have been the best team. The best team wins the league unless it's based on EBTs and cheating. But we'll not get involved and all that carry on the new, because I need to go back to work anyway. Peter's phoning me. <laughs> right, Wilson's gone, so we've now, we're now getting to the, the serious point of the show. Hamish, David Turnbull, I just want to touch on with you. Obviously, last night, his, his goal was unbelievable, but is he the kind of one bright spark you would take away for that season so far? Yeah, I think him and, him and Sorrow are, are the two bright sparks. I just think Turnbull's brilliant. Um if you're talking about guys who Celtic can build a team around for the coming seasons, then Turnbull's got to be the main man. He can do everything. He can get his foot in. He can drive through midfield, be that box-to-box midfielder, and then he can produce bits of quality like last night. His free kick was in the minute it left his boot. Um, the, the wee dinks he does, you know, those wee chips over the defence. He seems to do one of them every single game. They're just the sign of a really good player. Um, and I just really hope that Celtic now are going to build a team around David Turnbull. But, you know, the the negative side of it is how did it take so long for him to get into this team? And how yeah. how was it until a dead rubber Europa League game that Neil Lennon finally gave him his opportunity? It just completely beggars belief to me. Yeah. Like, see, just when we touch on that as well, like, there's more, there's, there's more things to kind of touch on. Like, Shankers, see if you're... See last night if you're a Celtic fan and you're seeing Peter Lawwell in the in the crowd the way I thought he was sitting with the smuggest look in his face I've ever seen. But what do you think of Peter Lawwell after after this debacle? Well, I think you've seen the like banners and, and protests, etc. I think obviously Lennon's taking a hit because he's he's the manager of the club. Of course he's he picks the team he but but I think most of the, the rage and anger should be should be at him because at the end of the day he he picks the manager he he I don't know whether it's he assigns the budget and whatnot and and I think at the start of the season if you if you asked Neil Lennon and, and Celtic were they happy with their business with the signings of Barkas and, and players like that I think they would be happy but now it turns to the to the it's getting kinda kinda sour yeah, so it is it's it's almost as you can see now. I don't think Lennon's going to leave. Uh, I don't think they'll sack him. It's just kind of the season's going to almost kind of dwindle out, and and then it will come to what if after the first old firm, if they went and get rid of him, get somebody else in, would would it be different? Would you would you went in that run? You you just don't know. I think I just think the the bridge between uh, fans and uh, and the board is is just completely gone now. I don't. If Celtic go and lose the league and and lose ten in a row. I just I don't think there's any way back for for, for the for between the fans and, and the board. you you've got to have obviously laws making decisions, but you've got to be some part of you think 
is this what the fans want? Or you can't just base your decisions basically on the fans want because then it's fan power and all that. But you've got to, they go, there must be like, I don't know if there's a supporters kind of thing where, where they put points across to, to the board, etc. But it's as if the, the, the communication between the fans and the board is just totally lost. It's as if whatever the fans want, he's going to do the opposite. It's as if, it's almost as if he's going to, his way to, to what piss them off me, so I don't, that's maybe not the right way to say it, but that's what you know, for an outside looking in, it, it, it's that's what it, what it seems. It's as if the fans are wanting Lennon to go, so he's like, ah, oh, well, I'm going to back him because if if the fans want him to go and he goes and sacks him, then it looks as if the fans have got to say, if you know what I mean. So I think I all, all communication between the the fans and, and the board is totally lost, and I, I don't think that will that will come back. Ah, you've had the nail on the head with that. What do you think of that, Hamish? I, I just think that it's gone beyond the, the results of the team. Like the fans are the fans have got anger with Neil Lennon because Neil Lennon's a manager who's presided over, in my opinion, our, our worst season ever, maybe. When when you consider everything that was, was up for grabs this year, the most historic season in 30, 40 years. Well, sorry, maybe uh, 25 years since stopping the 10. And it's absolutely gone to shit. We're in, the, you know, not even the middle of January and the season is virtually over, bar a few Scottish Cup games. Fans are angry at Neil Lennon for that. And they're also angry for Neil Lennon's comments he's made in the press that just constantly have you tearing your hair out. But I think more of the anger nowadays comes for Peter Law and the board uh, because the way they behaved this season, the, the constant backing of Neil Lennon, uh, the disregard for supporters, the putting up fences outside Celtic Park was just, you know, that was just symbolic of what they think of the supporters at the moment. But in 10, what is it, 10 weeks, something like that, they're going to be coming with a handout again asking for, for season ticket money. Yeah. That's when the supporters have got to Got, we've got to be strong as Celtic supporters and we've got to say, yes. no, we're not We're not giving you money. There needs to be a, a collective movement from the support saying, we're withholding our season ticket money. We're not giving it to you until we get something for the club. And that something needs to be a clear plan for next season. It needs to be an idea of who the manager's going to be. It needs to be a proper plan, a blueprint for how we get back to doing something in Europe. Because Europe has been... You know, apart from six games in the Europa League last season in the group stage, Europe has been a catastrophe for us for about four years. It's been an absolute joke. We need to get back to performing in Europe and then everything else domestically should fall into place because of that. But we need to see that for the support, uh, for the board, sorry. But what I think we will get is a statement for the board in the next few days, back in Lennon, you know, announcing the results of their January inquest that they were yeah. doing their January report they'll back Lennon to the end of the season I think and we'll probably get some bullshit about how Covid is the main reason for us not winning the league this year we'll probably get excuses about how we've been unlucky with Covid and Rangers have been absolutely fine with Covid and they'll just hope that fans buy it but but the Celtic support can't buy it we no. need to have these these board members held accountable because what has happened this season has been it's been an absolute disgrace from, from ball and goalie going to Spain all the way up until the Dubai trip. It's just been disaster after disaster. Yeah, that see, see just on that, you know, it's not as if, as if uh, the the season hasn't gone to pot because they lost old firm games. It, if you take old firm games out of that, the, all the rest of the results, like dropping points at home, etc. That, that's where where the, the points are falling behind. It's no... If they win all the games and you're, you're six points behind because you've lost two old firm games, fair enough. But 
it's it's no it's no old firm games. It's it's games other than that losing to teams that over the years were Celtic took take nine goals or something off Aberdeen at home over the years. That's what they used to used to taking five and six goals off teams at home and and teams are going to Parkhead and they're no they're almost no scared to to go into Parkhead anymore and and that's where the league the league for me the the league's no based on old firm results. It's it's take old firm away from it. It's it's poor results against teams that they should be they should be walking over. That's what I want to bring in kind of recruitment. There's a question here for Stephen Nicol I want to put to you, Hamish. What type of transfer window should Celtic be having this month to get back to winning ways? Recruit how do you how do you give more money to I, I don't know if they will or not, but you can't give Neil Lennon money if he's going in the summer. And you can't trust the, the recruitment team to get it right after such a poor summer. That's why you've got to make a decision over Neil Lennon imminently yeah. then. You've you've got to work out is Neil Lennon is Neil Lennon going to be our manager taking us into next season? That's the question I've got to ask. Are we going to give Neil Lennon, never mind about January, are we going to give Neil Lennon another summer to rebuild, you know, when the likes of Edward and Cham, Ayer move on in the summer? Are we going to give him the chance to rebuild for next season? And by the way, if the answer to that is yes, then I give up and, and every Celtic fan will give up. But if that's what they want to do and that's their decision and they make that this month, then they need to plan starting this month. They, they need to get players in this month so they can bed in between now and the end of the season. Because you know for a fact that we're going to have Edward leaving the club at the start of the summer, we're going to have Ayer moving on, and we're going to end up going into the, the Champions League, which is obviously the, the non-Champions route we'll go into um, and be playing against a Benfica or someone like that, and we'll end up with like near beat on at centre-back again. Um, because it happens every single year. So that's what I'm talking about, a general plan. Um, but there's there's massive t- uh, turnover at the club to come because, as I say, Edward's going to move on 100%. I think Christopher Ayer almost certainly will move on. I think Ryan Christie will probably go. Um, Scott Brown's contract's up at the end of the season. Oh, I heard John, is... John Kennedy saying about giving Scott Brown an extra 12-month deal. What's that all about? I, I mean, Scott Brown, I know, I know we can touch on Scott Brown. He's a legend for Celtic, but Soros come in. And one thing I want to touch mm-hmm. on about Soros, He's allowed McGregor, Turnbull, Christie. I thought the three of them were allowed to to roam, run ragged because of the kind of protection Sorrow gave that Brown hasn't been able to give this season. Yeah, yeah, Scott Brown's a legend. I totally understand that. But on this season, you can't give Scott Brown a new contract, surely? No, on this season, 100%, you can't. Scott Brown, in my opinion, Scott Brown shouldn't play much for the rest of the season. Uh, I, I don't think... He, we've got to use the last five months of this season to build for the future. Yeah. What is the point? What is the point in playing Scott Brown? Because Scott Brown isn't the future of Celtic. What's the point in playing Shane Duffy? Because Shane Duffy isn't the future of Celtic. You could argue even this won't happen, but you could argue what's the point in playing Odson Edward? Because Odson Edward isn't the future of Celtic. He's going to be away in the summer. And I know there's things like if you if you don't play him his market value would go down and all that kind of stuff. But We've got to build for the future. We've got to get the likes of Sorrow and Turnbull permanently in that team. We've got to get, in my opinion, Stephen Welsh in that team. I think we've got to get Albina Yeti in that team because he is going to be, hopefully, the future of Celtic in terms of a striker. He's our player. He's not on loan, Albina Yeti. We've got to get him into that team. I know he took a bit of a slagging earlier, but for me, Mikey Johnson's got to get in that team rather than El Yunusi. Because again, El Yunusi, what's the point in having him in that team? Because he's going to be back down at Southampton next year. What's the point in having Neil Lennon as our manager anymore? What do you do with the goalkeeper? 
That's the one thing. That's that's the one thing that's sticking out to me because you've spent five million in Barkas. Yes, it hasn't been. It hasn't kind of lived up to the the price tag yet. But it's it. It's do you do you sell them for half the price because you're not getting that five million back if you sell them in the summer. So do you no, persevere with Barkas? I, I don't know. I don't know how they, what they do here. He's the same as a Yeti for me. He's Barkas is you've got to make Barkas a number one. And, and to be fair to Neil Lennon, I think that's what he did at the end of December. Yeah. And I think Barkas would have played last night if he hadn't have uh, been self-isolating. But you've got to get him in the team and just to find out if he's any good. You've got to give him a proper run. The, the pressure's off now between now and May. There's there's no pressure. The league's away. Yeah, the Scottish Cup's still there, but you've got to get Barkas, a Yeti, Turnbull, Sorrow. McGregor in that team there's, there's a spine of your team right there and build for the future yeah Shan because I just want to ask you a question just quickly what are your thoughts in the leagues below the championship being postponed for three weeks I think it makes sense uh, when you take it into account majority if not all of the teams are part time whereas guys are going to their work got to football coming home they're, they're going to you go to, for instance, say they work in a building site. There's different guys from all over the country going on there. Then they're going to play against on a Saturday against a team for, say, say it's breaking. Uh, then they're playing against the Apoils. Then they're going home to their families. I just, I just, I think it makes sense overall. Uh, the only complication I think there is two part-time teams in the championship, so they, they guys are still going to their work and and coming. Uh, coming home and then got to football. I know now it will be different because they're getting tested every week. I think that's mandatory. They have to be tested every week. So you 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 will be able to find out. But uh, I think I think it makes sense uh, because it's it's part time football. It's just there's too many complications, too much risk not knowing fate the the season started to now I'd I'd be lucky if the players have been tested. So so how 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 do they possibly know if if they've if they've got a uh, COVID nineteen or or if they're passing it on or, or whatever? It, it just for safety, uh, players' safety and, and family and all that. I think it just makes it's a sensible decision. Hamish, would you think about it? I don't know if you guys saw the report. It was one of the Daily Record of the Sun yesterday saying that the SFA's decision to take away you know the leagues under the championship or postpone them for a bit or suspend them is a word was in relation to the fact that they had to give some sort of move to Nicola Sturgeon after the Celtic fiasco in Dubai, which is really, really interesting. I don't know if you guys saw that, but really interesting that that, that almost Celtic doing this meant that the the SFA had to show they were doing something to combat the rising cases, and their decision was to take away the the leagues from League One uh, and below, which I I thought was... I'm not surprised you guys haven't seen it because none of my pals had seen it either. And I thought that was like a massive story, the fact that Celtic have almost caused this. In terms of the actual thing, um, it's disappointing for these players, I think. Um, I think a lot of the clubs got a lot of money recently uh, from the government and from that that guy, James Anderson, I think his name was. Could they not have tested these players? I know the cost of testing is going down a lot. Um, how much would it have cost to, to test these players? The Championship can still do it. So so why couldn't League One and League Two, if they have got this this huge amount of money recently? Um, that'd be my question. I just think it's it's, it's really sad um, that these players, once again, are, are missing out. 
Yeah, but obviously I, as well. See, oh, sorry, oh, sorry. Just sorry to interrupt. See, just on, I obviously say that I think it's the right decision or that, but when you, you reflect on the players, I think all these clubs had protocols in place. It was not as if it was they were going, it was a free-for-all. I think everybody took the right protocols, uh, distancing, etc., sanitising. I think all that was in place. I think it's just the fact that there is no testing probably kind of put the kind of made their decision uh, for it. But see, just on that article, what you're saying, it, it shouldn't be, like, they, they, they clubs shouldn't be punished for for somebody else's uh, wrongdoing. If, if somebody in one of the leagues come out and, and was doing something wrong and, and caused a spread of COVID or whatever, fair enough, but surely they can't be punished for somebody else's is wrongdoing if you if you know what I'm coming for. Well, that's interesting you touch on that because obviously Hibs there was a tweet by somebody I don't remember who it was, but there was a tweet yesterday saying if Hibs don't play the game tomorrow, kiss goodbye to the playing f- Scottish football, being able to play on. That that's true. That's probably that's probably what would have happened if Hibs refused to play that game. Would the would the government have stepped in? That's it. Is that fair? Mm. I don't know because then you, you look back and Kilmarnock and St Mon almost were the same and, and it never happened. I know this would be like the third time it would happen, so possibly, but I don't I think in the end up Hibs never really had the choice but to play, if if you know what I mean. Nobody forced them, but the hand was almost forced because if they don't play, then uh, sanctions will be, will be taken or whatever. Uh, whether it be points docked or, or what, whatever it may be, but I don't think Hibs Hibs had an option in the in the end up. To be honest, I think I think ideally they wouldn't have played, but I think in the end up uh, the hand was forced and, and they had to play. As well as that, I just want to touch on a bit of news that's just come through from STV. They said the Scottish FA compliance officer Claire White may investigate Celtic over the training camp in Dubai. What's that all about? Why, why Why? should they know they're back, they're here, players are isolating, players are tested positive. Everybody knows probably they shouldn't have went, but why Why investigate now? If Celtic were told don't go to Dubai, Celtic wouldn't have went to Dubai. Celtic obviously had it all clear to go, so that's yeah. why they went. So so that, that compliance officer, I don't know who it is or whatever, they obviously knew that, that Celtic had it all clear, so why investigate now? Just because there's a positive test, they, they knew there could have been a risk of that. It's not as if it's coronavirus is not over there. You know what I mean? Yeah. They knew there was a risk of that. I, I, that's a, no, I don't really get that, investigating into it. Whatever's done is done, and, and they just have to move on for it now, I think. Hamish, there's two games coming up for Celtic, home to Livingston, then away to Livingston. Livingston are in very, very good form. Do you have worries about playing the one and informed teams in the league? Who cares, mate? Genuinely, <laughs> who cares? The, the season, the season's over. Um, do you believe the, Do you believe the season's over? Though? Like, do you do you not have a slight I'm, thinking of Rangers beat? Nah. Rangers have dropped four points all season. I think Rangers have conceded six goals all season. What is the gap? Twenty-one points now. If we win our, our three games in hand, which obviously one of them is at Livingston next week, another one's at home to Aberdeen, which is no gimme as well. Even if we win those games in hand, we'll be 12 behind. Um, 
we would need to win every single game for the rest of the season. I think Rangers would need to lose four, maybe five, because of the, the goal difference that they've got over us. So the the, the league is, is totally over. Um, it's going to be, obviously, the, the same team virtually that played last night. Um, an interesting one I saw... I wonder if we've got a, a loan recall for Jonathan Afalabi. That's Dundee. what I wondered. Eh? That's what I wondered. Because because he we badly missed a focal point last night. Now I don't know I the terms that... of that deal, but yeah. getting him in and and having a focal point and giving him a chance would surely be better than having to play Cameron Harper or Mikey Johnson or someone like that up there. Um, but you know if you think Hibbs was bad on Monday, Livingston even at Celtic Park is going to be brutal. Um, yeah. I mean, who, who's who's favourites for for those two games? It's certainly, the one in the one at the Tony Macaroni Celtic aren't favourites for that game. And uh, what is that? Wow! Can I want to know is is that as the Celtic players will the Celtic players miss that game? Is it ten days from yesterday or ten days from when they returned? That's the uh, question. Because if it's the ten days, I think days it's for when they returned. I think. So realistically, they would make that game. If that's the case, I the, so I think it's only the the, the game on Saturday that they miss. But even still, somebody's, somebody's saying they're no they're no training. Uh, yeah, you're sitting in. There. Obviously, they'll be doing their own at home, but it's just no the same. They've got maybe say that the isolation period. What is it? Seven days or something? I think it's ten, ten. days. Ten. So say ten days. They'll have one or maybe two or three days max to prepare for that game. That's a tough one. You, you don't want to be going away to Livingston on Nash Turf, you know, having trained for a week. I know, I know it's, pro- it's probably one of the toughest places to go in the league just because they've got that kind of... I know they touch on that style of play. I don't think they've got that anymore, but it's just Livingston away and the Astro, just a, a hard team that's hard to beat. It's just... It's no two fixtures that they would have wanted, especially the form that the Livingston's in at the moment. Yeah. Hamish, hey, so I make a final point before we, we finish up? Like, Celtic have had the... Nine years of dominance. They've they've been top of the they've won twelve consecutive trophies. What does it come down to that the this season's went the way it has? Is it overconfidence? Is it a lack of? Is it a lack lack of discipline? Is maybe the wrong term, but what do you think is the kind of the reason this is going on? I don't think there's one reason. I really don't. I think there's there's loads of different reasons and and. Some people think I'm daft for saying some of them. Uh, I think the the pandemic has is one hundred percent had an effect. Um, I think that if you look at Celtic prior to the pandemic and compare them to the Celtic that we saw even when they returned back in August, was there was worlds of difference there. It was a Celtic team that was hitting its stride just when the pandemic hit. I don't think. I don't think the manager took. I don't think the manager used lockdown the best way he could. I'm talking. And I don't always like doing this, but I'm talking physically. Neil Lennon didn't look like he'd, he'd taken a lot of care during um, the lockdown. Um, I think he could have better used the time to to work on certain things with regards to Celtic. I don't think a few of the players um, treated themselves the way they should have during the, the lockdown. I think Lee Griffiths was, was obviously one of them. I don't think he's the only one. I think when you come back, the you look at the recruitment, and I'm guilty of... You know, revising this because at the time I thought it was a great summer transfer window. But I think if you look at the recruitment now, we we signed players for a formation that we no longer play. We signed yeah. you know Lacks out and we signed a Yeti to play alongside Edward, and we no longer play that that formation. So immediately, um, you know, you're you're struggling there. I think, and this will sound daft because every team's had to put up with it. But I think the fans not being at Celtic Park 
have probably affected Celtic more than a lot of teams just because I think Celtic, the way they play and, and the support that we get, um, get such a kick from the fans more than a lot of teams. But as I say, that doesn't explain why Rangers have been so good this season. And then I think when you add in all the various mishaps, I think the ball and goalie thing um, set the tone for the season. I think no one really talks about the same game at Kilmarnock. Cannibal Kudimbele was uh, photographed with his phone out on the bench. Um, I think things like that have really set the tone for the season. But I think that defeat Rangers dished out to us in October at Celtic Park is probably the main one I would look at. The week leading up to that, the fact we're missing all those players and then the way Rangers came and completely bodied us at Celtic Park, I think gave Rangers a massive boost. It, it told them that they could win the league. They, they didn't celebrate that like they did before the, the previous season. They just high-fived and got off that park. And I think our players never recovered for that at all. Um, and then obviously the board. The board haven't helped anything with their statements, the whole ill feeling around the club. So it's weird because people will point to Neil Lennon as being a complete failure in the second time as Celtic manager. And that's how you probably remembered for the second stint. But if you look at last season, that, that Celtic team was brilliant last season. Going to Lazio, winning. We dropped, eight, I think, 10 points all season. I know it was a, a shortened season, but we dropped 10 points in 30 league games, which is unbelievable form. Mm-hmm. And it just it's just gone to shit. So it's just really disappointing. It, it, it hurts a lot, but... We've just got to move to the future. We can't undo it now. See, see, just on the point about the supporters, I know things could have been totally different if the, if Celtic had a, a full house. But do you know how, on the flip side, if, if they were playing like this, they're, they're actually a wee bit lucky that there's no supporters in the ground. I, I think it would have been totally different if there's support there, because you know they're chasing a goal in the last 10 minutes and they give you a big lift. Mm. But on the flip side, if, if they're playing like this, and they're not getting rid of Neil Lennon, like likes of banners and stuff like that. And just it could have been really can vile at, at Parkhead if if they, they were in this situation where where a full a full house say say uh, dropping points to St Johnson or getting out the cup to Ross County. And I know the scenes outside the park were bad enough, but if there's a full house in there, it it, it could have been bad as well. If you know what I mean. Yeah, I think it's given the, the club a, an excuse not to not to get rid of Neil Lennon this season because Aye. they can just blame COVID. And I'm telling you now, that is what we are going to see in the next few months. It's going to be the club ramping up the COVID-ruined-our-season propaganda. It's, it's the most nailed-on certainty ever. They already started it in, in the statement they put out on Monday. Um, the but no, I, I agree. The statement I know, it's... I've actually got a video going up the day where I just go go through it word by word and just just tear it apart. It was um, the bit that angered me most about it was the I've not got the, the exact quote, but it was effectively saying we are frustrated. Or no, we share the frustrations of our support about this news, and it's like they're trying to get into bed with the support and group us all together, and it's them. They're the ones that have caused the support this hurt. Um, just no accountability, no admission that they got it wrong this season. And as I say, we're not going to see that either. And obviously we'll touch the, the last point I want to make was that as the summer, you probably discussed this obviously when, you, when Neil Lennon was, was under a bit of pressure. Who, who do you think is a realistic option to come in in the summer? The, the one I keep going back to is Eddie Howe. Um, he's the one that, that excites me. He's the one that I think is the most like Brendan Rodgers in terms of the way he was. And I know Howe's never managed a, a club the size of Liverpool, but in terms of where Brendan Rodgers was when we took him in, um, he was kind of on the scrap heap a bit, but he still had a good reputation. Yeah, I think Eddie Howe 
has got the same. Um, he's been quoted as saying that he wants his next job to be a, a proper club he can get excited about and build something. And I think we can offer that, whereas, you know, a Sheffield United or a Crystal Palace or a West Brom can't. I think he wants it to be part of something proper. And I would just I would just love to see someone like that come in. Um, but I think we need to do it now because we've got such a good opportunity now between now and the end of the season to make that change now. Give him five months. Give him what Leicester did with Brendan Rodgers. They got him yeah. in February and they gave him the rest of that season. And fair enough, they didn't see the rewards that season because that season was already gubbed for them like it is for us. But from the following season onwards... They got the rewards because he knew his best players. He knew what he had to do. That's why, for me, we have to, to make the change now. Because, as I said earlier on, if we keep Neil Lennon in charge, what is the point? Like, what is the point in keeping him in charge right now? Because it's all over. And can you see a change coming? Like, ob- law's been mentioned, but it's been mentioned that the, the higher-ups are... The fans want the higher-ups out. Can you see a change coming? The likes of Peter Law leaving at the end of the season or anything like that. Is that... Po- is that- something you think as a, as a realistic possibility? There's been rumours that, that he's going to move on, but I, I believe that when I see it. Um, it'll all depend on what the, the fans want to do, whether they want to hold their season ticket money. As I said earlier, there needs to be a, a collective movement for the support and saying, we're not going to give you money uh, until we see change and we see a plan going forward. But as I say, I'm, I'm not holding my breath on that one. Do you see just way, when you touched on Scott Brown earlier, Say, say they go on and uh, Raiders win the league and in the nine years of dominance and everything, do you think that is probably the best time for him to say goodbye and just can almost thanks for the memories you've captained uh, in the club for so long, a legend, won all these trophies? Do you think it's the right time for him to, to say goodbye? I know it wouldn't be a good note, but and then can I start afresh almost with a new manager and a new mm. regime, pres- presuming Callum McGregor will go and and, and be the club captain, do you think that's probably the best time for him to, to almost go because it's a an end of an era almost kind of type thing? Uh, as you say, it's not it's not the perfect time because you wanted Scott Brown to go out on a high. But Aye, I think but... see see while Neil Lennon's legacy, in my opinion, will be will be tarnished, if not ruined, by what's happened. I think fans will remember Scott Brown really, really positively. Yeah. Albeit it's ended, it's ended positive negatively for him, or it will end neg- negatively for him unless there's some sort of campaign to win the Scottish Cup for Lennon and Brown, which, to be honest, I, I really wouldn't bank against the club putting that out in a statement that they want to win the Scottish Cup for these guys. But anyway, on Brown, um, I think he'll be remembered really positively, but it's, it's the right time to move on. Um, and I think he'll be remembered, again, this might be controversial, but for me, probably as, as Celtic's second greatest ever captain, given what he's done at the club. But that is that that will do us for, for this episode. I want to thank you very much, Amish, for joining us. It's been an absolute pleasure. No, thanks for having us on, guys. No, no worries. Shanker's pleasure as always. Uh pleasure's all mine. Brilliant. Good to get a get a different perspective, if you know what I mean. <laughs> Definitely. We'll be we'll be keeping up to date with, with any breaking news that comes up regarding this situation and any other situations in Scottish football. But thanks very much, everyone. We'll see you soon. Cheers. <laughs>